Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and still sunny and warm British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Meisenheimer. And look who's crawled out of the woodwork with the Whitecaps on the verge of the playoffs. <laughs> That's the Man United fan in him coming out. The glory no. hunter. No, you guys are recording with there's still sun out, so that makes a big difference for <laughs> me to be able to come out. Yes, we our vampiric, vampiric lifestyle will be put on hold for this episode so we could get you on. Because um, folk have been asking for Yar. I think some people thought I had killed you, but this is proof, maybe, there is some AI intelligence these days that could maybe fake this, but Steve is alive, and if you could only see the feed just now, looking his beautiful, radiant self. Yeah, if I had an, I, I would tweet a newspaper with a news, picture with a newspaper <laughs> on it. If I had one, I, they don't have newspapers anymore. It's a dead thing. Oh, don't tell JJ Adams that. Oh, I shouldn't. Yeah. He still thinks he's writing for one. Okay. <laughs> but no, it is good to have you back, Steve, and we, we'll try and maybe get some of these more afternoon recordings so that we can get you in, especially with the, the season coming to an end. We've got all our end of season stuff to do. But I mean, the Whitecaps season isn't quite coming to an end as we maybe thought it was going to about three weeks ago because the Whitecaps are not only still alive, but their playoff fate now lies entirely in their own hands which is perhaps the most worrying aspect of this. We'll delve into all the ins and outs of the the playoff picture in the second part. And in part three, we're going to have a look at kind of the the Canadian Premier League playoff picture and stuff as well. But we're going to talk Whitecaps in this part. But before we get into that, how how have you been the last few weeks, Steve? We haven't spoken to you for a while. What have you been up to? Not too much, just uh, getting stuff done here and there during the daytime. Um, basically, uh, but about the Whitecaps the last two, three weeks, like you were mentioning that the, you know, like I was looking at the games after last week, all right? And I was looking, oh, this has to happen and this has to happen and th- in order to this happen for the Whitecaps to still be alive. And I was like thinking to myself, there's no way that's going to come off. Mm. So, so and, and it actually did. Like It was funny. It's it was, quite like, amazing. Every, when, when you look at how much needed to happen, it's... Yeah. 
I'm, I'm going to call this episode a series of fortunate events. Yeah. Because that is basically what the last three weeks has, has been. Because, I mean, we, we spoke about it on the show that, yeah, even if the Whitecaps won out in the season, four wins out of four, they still needed Seattle to, to mess it up. They still needed Portland to drop points. They still needed Minnesota to drop points. They still needed RSL to drop points. And it's all happened. And it it does feel like nobody is wanting to claim this seventh and final playoff spot in the West. And when you look, I mean, it's not even so much, well, I mean, it is even so much, but when you look at all the permutations that had to happen for the Whitecaps to now be sitting in a win and their end scenario, they can get into the the playoffs with the second worst goal differential in the MLS West of minus 15. Yep. How can a playoff side have a minus 15 goal difference? It's MLS. You you win the close games and you get blown out a lot. That's true. Essentially, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, the... It's been quite surprising the amount of folk on social media that thought MLS would be like most other leagues around the world and it would come down to goal difference at very worst goals for. But no, the tiebreaker is most wins. And it's because of that scenario that the Whitecaps now control their own fate. They can't be better than seventh, and we'll, we'll look at all that in the next part. But to get there, they had to take care of their own business these last three weeks and then this week to come. They had to get four wins out of four in four very difficult matches. And as the legendary Christopher Biggins used to tell me as a kid, one of my my childhood people I watched on TV that hasn't been locked up because of Operation U-Tree, Safari Sagudi. Because the latest win came at BC Place on Saturday evening as the Texan terrors from Austin came to town. And what a different result it was, Zach, from that 3-0 drubbing down there in April. Ooh, yeah, like night and day, eh? Like, you couldn't, it couldn't have been more different. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I think one of the, one of the encouraging things, if, if, you're, if you're a Vancouver fan, is how they, like, came at them right from the get-go. It was like a... There's like a, a very few first halves have been like that at BC Place, I think, in, in 2022. It, it felt like a road game because that's yeah. kind of how they've played a little bit yeah. on, on the road. And yeah, I mean, what a different performance, Steve, as well. The, the sleepy first half white caps seemed to wake up in time for the actual first half kickoff. They came out flying and that seems to have been the catalyst to the success of late is they found a way to finally play in the first half. Galaxy game maybe aside, because that was a second-half performance. But basically, from the second half of that Galaxy game, this has been a fantastic Whitecaps team to watch. It helps when you have, like, uh, like I think they're... I, I see their top player right now playing at his best. And yeah. their most important player with Ryan Gold. And him picking up and knowing when to make runs and his connection with uh, Pedro Vite, like he, it, it started off yes. slow and inconsistent, but I Vite has been playing really well. And I think that has a lot to do with their strong starts. Like they're them showing what they could do and 
and not sitting back all the time and not worrying about the opponents and showing what they can do, I think that is a huge effect on this team. And it, sometimes it just takes a little bit of confidence. You get that ball rolling because it feels like in the past that they, the reason the, the Maybe it was maybe they've simplified the game because it always seemed like that they didn't maybe they had too much information at, at the first half mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do with it. So if you play a simple game, uh Vite puts it over the top and then you you have Ryan Gold just do a finish. And that gets the ball rolling. And then they could play all the other stuff they wanted. Well, let, let's have a chat about Ryan Gold. I I mean, it's it's maybe too simplistic to say that that he's carried the team on his back down this stretch, but it has felt that he has stood out. It's harsh maybe on some of the other players because there has been some strong performances there. Last year, he had four goals and six assists from his 18 games. 13 of those 18 games were starts. This year, he's played a third more games, 27 in total, with 24 of them starts. He's doubled his goals, though, with eight, and he's increased his assists by a third. He's on nine. All still with a game to play in the regular season. He's had two goals and two assists in the Whitecaps three-game winning streak that they're currently on. He's been making the team tick. I mean, it's what you want and what you expect from a designated player. That's why you sign a designated player. It's just felt a little bit, Zach, that it's it's almost surprised you that we've got a DP that's delivering to this level because there's been so many that haven't worked out here. Yeah, it would probably be fair to say he's been the most consistent DP in the MLS era, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just thinking that on Saturday. I I didn't get to watch the game live because I or at the stadium because I was up at UBC commentating. So I, I'd avoided the results. I'd watched the first 15 minutes in between my two games. But as I sat and watched it on Saturday night, that was the thought that went through my head. It's like, is he the best DP that we've had? Pro- like, I, It's hard. I mean... Uh, Obviously, he hasn't been here super long, but it's hard to argue. It would be hard to argue against that. I think he's also like he just. Not only is he the probably the best, you know, offensive attacking midfielder they've ever had, he also is I think Miles, or he's in the upper echelon of like football IQ people they've ever had. You know, yeah. on the playing side, that's the Scottishness coming out of him. And the other thing is about him is I feel he's fully invested in the team. Yeah. And we've had that with other designated players, obviously with some exceptions. Some were came designated players afterwards, but that's the biggest thing. Like the, he right off the bat, he seemed like happy to be here. And we've had people who've come onto the plane. Once they get off the plane, they want to leave right away. <laughs> so charge you. <laughs> well, I was going to, I didn't want to name names, but you know what I mean? Oh, we don't, uh, we don't mind about that. Yeah, and then some designated players were told it was turf when it was actually they thought yes. it was grass, and then it was turf. So oh, that is an easy mistake to make when you come from. Yeah. A, a, a when language. you come from, yeah, when you come from Britain, you say turf. They just think it's grass, right? Yeah. I mean, the 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 original guys in Toronto FC who were British didn't know that they were going to play on on turf, right? Like, yeah. I, I think it's also helped as well that we've had a designated player that the games that he's missed it's because of knocks that he's taken to his head as opposed to knocks that he's given to other players' heads. <laughs> That's very good. I want to ask you, Steve, because you've not been on the, the last couple of shows since this has happened, but defensively, that switch to four at the back, it, it's working. It's hopefully here to stay. It's also very frustrating 
that it took this long for Vanny to, to see what so many of us had seen, which was we don't have the players to play three at the back. What, what have you made of that switch? Well, I think it, the, for me, it probably had to do with getting, like, I think the most important thing to get to that three to the back was getting a player like Kubas on the pitch and making sure he was in, in the defensive flow because he essentially is that, like, that top part that protects the two. And I don't think they had that for a long time, which is why they had to play three at the back. So I think that helps a lot. Um, and I think it's helped them also um, in the attack as well, because then they could have a couple extra guys wide. Otherwise, they only had one wide guy going mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. And it, it, it kind of congested the middle of the field a lot. So I think it does help having two in the uh, four at the back instead of three. Yeah, that's a good point, though, about Kubis, because it's like they finally probably feel confident that they've got him in front of the two centre-backs, which is allowing yeah. them to to have the two the two fullbacks yeah. and like Kubis and Vite as Steve said coming on his game at the right time yeah and then it also helps that you know and we saw it in the game against Austin like the difference that you know um their designated player had uh, Drusi mm-hmm. uh basically yeah. uh oh yeah doesn't wasn't the same player that he was in that 3-0 game no he, i mean he, he, he had his chances yeah. then he didn't take them I mean, if we delve into the game a little bit, we won't dwell too, too much on it. But Well, before we go, I too, I, I think that the, the back four thing, Michael, I think is there's, there's multiple layers to it, right? I agree with Steve that uh, Kubas in front of your back line, whether it's three or four, is, 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 is huge for this team. And you've seen it. Whenever he gets taken off the pitch, they well, not every time, but a number of times when he's been subbed off in a game, uh, they've you know fallen to pieces in the middle of the part, the middle of the park after that, um, but I think also the the back four is more. I think it's more simple to play. It's less complex for those players, less decision making, that kind of stuff. So I think it's better for the players they have. I also it helps when you have uh, fullbacks uh, as opposed to wingbacks. Who can focus uh, on defending a little bit more when needed, uh, having you know not having to get caught up field and all that kind of stuff. And you have, and this isn't also enabled them. I think one part of this is playing Luis Martins at mm. at uh, at left back, like an actual left back playing left back, and Jake Nowinski playing his original you know position. Yeah. Whatever you think of him playing in his original position, yeah. at least he's a right back in, in a right in, in as a right back, not a round peg in a square hole. So I just and- yeah. There's it also, I think there's layers to why it's worked worked better for, for, for them, but I, I I understand I understand Sartini's ambition to try and play the back three, but I agree with you that it was like it took so long for him to finally say no for us to do what we need to do here at the end of the season we're going to make this switch, and I and I think it also simplifies the coverage. Yes, if that fullback doesn't moves up, then you know who's going to cover that fullback. Yes. And when you have a wingback, it felt like they were confused who was going to cover for that spot in the wide areas. Or they weren't getting the help from the middle. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I did have some concerns, and I immediately thought of Steve when I was listening to the, the commentary of the game, and they said, oh, we were speaking to Vanny before the game, and he said, this is a game where we have to mark the space and not the man. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Steve's not going to be happy watching this. But, I mean, it, it paid off. They came away with the win, and it, it was a, a solid performance overall i mean they were they were out possessed they were outshot but they had more shots on target and most importantly they got the the, the two goals 
I want I want to mention something about the, marking the space instead of the man. I feel it's not a problem marking the space as long as you know which men are in that space. Yes. So mark the men in that space is the more important way to say it. Yeah. Or, or you actually watch the space, and if you see men running through the space, you maybe yeah. follow them, and you don't just yeah. stare at the space, yeah, which is exactly. how it has felt that so much of the def- defending has been this year. I'm staring at the space. Oh, there, there goes Drew. You see, not still staring at the space. Yeah. But we had a discussion on our Aries Fife podcast this week about football is a simple game, but in modern day football, it does feel that some managers and technical people just try and make it a little bit too difficult. And I think Vanny has maybe been a little bit guilty for that with trying all these fancy ideas and things. And it's like, he's gone back, he's kept it simple, and now it's paying off. That's not always going to work, but he seems to have found the magic in the bottle at the right time again, as we spoke about so much last year. And if you play a simple game, sometimes that allows you to complex things, especially in attack. Like if you throw the odd long ball forward, you create space because they don't know if you're going to go long or you're going to build the ball up. Yeah. So it kind of creates spaces in the def- in the opposition defense. So it's it's it, you need to do, you need to incorporate everything. You just I, can't play all complex and no simple. You gotta you gotta be more flexible. Yeah, you have to be able to mix it up. I mean, I I know I harp on about this a lot, but Route One football still has a place in the modern game, and it can be so effective. And mm-hmm. I even if you look at the the White Caps first goal against Austin, it's not pure Route One. Yeah. But it's a long ball forward from Vite. For goal to run onto, and that ball from Vite was fantastic. It was like from where he was on the sideline to get that ball through, and then Gold was so good because he kind of gave a little look. I think partly to see if the better option for him was to square the ball to somebody, but he just didn't have the support there. But immediately then that puts the goalkeeper of thinking: Is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? Right. And then he just ran in on goal and he buried it. And and that and doing something like that helps the uh, like later on in the game that helps you bring the ball up because those defenders have to move back and they can't just stand in one spot uh, thinking you're just going to move the ball up. You, they know you can go over the top and you have to you have to they have to be flexible with there and that creates gives you more chances to do different things as well. What did you make of that first goal, Zach? I, th- I thought it was brilliant. I mean, uh, I thought it was a well timed timed ball over the top great run from gold and uh, i love how first he looks to see if there's someone you know wide open for a tap in which also probably or he knew no one was there and he looked just to give the keeper make the keeper think and then he looks like he's gonna um, he makes the keeper thinks he's gonna fully open up his body and go inside of his foot to the far post and instead he opens up his body goes inside his foot but he goes to the near post and the, the keeper uh I think had no chance because because he was thinking, oh, this is obviously going across the goal. And so I thought, again, it's his football intelligence that that that, yeah. that, that that finish, which you need against a keeper like Stuver because he's one of the best keepers in, in MLS. The these two seasons that he's played in the league, he's been outstanding for for Austin. I mean, there there wasn't tons of goal mouth action in that first half. I mean, Drayusi had a chance to to level things up shortly after that goal, but. There was a shot that kind of went straight to to Thomas Hassau. Uh, actually, before we move on to that, before the goal, of course, there was Thomas Hassau 
tried to show some fancy footwork in the box and was nearly caught out. And I loved that moment after the the goal where he goes over to Vanny and Vanny's just telling him, look, okay, don't do that, calm down. They're having a bit of a laugh and joke about it. That was nice, but let's hope he doesn't do that too often. Yeah, stop watching Million Borean. Yeah, that was heart in the mouth stuff. <laughs> um, the other big chance in that first half came for the Whitecaps towards the end, and it, it was Brian White. Gold kind of put it on a plate for him, but it was a bit of a heavy first touch from Gold, about 12 yards out, which then just meant he was stretched and he kind of just poked a, a weak shot straight at Stuver. Again, maybe this is harsh, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but it did feel, what the immediate thought that went through my head at the time was, the 2021 Brian White would have buried that. Mm, Or was it more difficult than I'm giving him credit for? Probably is more difficult. It's probably not the type of goals he scores. I don't know. Like, I remember him scoring a lot of headers, a lot of straight shots and stuff like that. Not Nothing really on the run. I Maybe I'm misremembering no, stuff. No, you might be right, actually. He so, had a lot of close-range ones and headers, as you say. Yeah, so I, that, that's what I feel like. He, that's his best, that's his bread and butter, where he, he's in a position, they get him the ball, and he finishes. Um, he really doesn't move through the box as well as other strikers do that we'll talk about later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then we we touched on Jake Norwinski earlier, and he does get uh, a lot of abuse and a lot of criticism I, I feel the last few games having moved back to that right side he's he's been I don't know that I would say excellent but he's been really good yeah he's been serviceable he's he's done what he's needed to do and he came up with that block at the end of the first half that mm-hmm. yeah when I when I saw the replay it wasn't as good as I first thought but it's still a very important block and he had to get his body in the way so I mean that that was a crucial thing and he does get a lot of stick but I I like this back four and I think it's working really well and hopefully we're going to ride this out now for the season and then into the post season the second half started off with another chance for for Brian White it was a header this time denied by the the foot of of Stuver is he snake bitten right now is he? Is it just down to confidence? Does he need to get a couple of goals and he's going to be streaky again? Obviously, time is running out for him to go on a streak. But yeah, um, like how many goals does he have again so far this year? It's like four or five league, four or it five. Was four the last time I looked, I might be up to five now. Let me double check. Like 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 back. I remember last year I was saying that he doesn't need to um, uh, put in all the goals like he did last year. If he gets like you know gets like six fifty to sixty percent of those then I think it's a successful season because I'm not expecting, I never expected him to repeat what he did last year um, because he's just not that type of striker. He's a solid backup striker who could fill in the pinch. Um, like he's basically a younger version of Will Bruin in a way for me. Um, he he can go on a big streaks, but it's most likely that he'll punch in like five, six goals a year. But you need that number one striker who's not suspended to be, <laughs> doing better in yeah. order to do that. I, I was going to say he's the poor man's Will Bruin, but after yeah. that contract extension, I don't know if he might be earning more than Will Bruin now. I mean, looking at his stats, MLS stats, because he obviously got some goals in the, the Canadian Championship as well. Yeah, so sure. last year, 28 games, 12 goals, 5 assists. Now that's interesting for me because this year, 25 games, 4 goals, and just that 1 assist. 
So he hasn't been contributing the goals, but he hasn't been contributing assist-wise either. So we, we've lost quite a lot output-wise from him. He did get three goals in three matches in the Canadian Championship, so maybe we can't knock him too much in, in and that I think regard. He had, and, and speaking of knocks, I think he had a few knocks this year, which he didn't well, he, have last year. He came year. in with a bit of an injury as well. Yeah, so he had a slow start to this year. Yeah, I mean, it's much like Ryan Gold had injuries yeah. and concussions at the start of the year, and it, it's taken him a while to get going. I mean, if we can unlock White at this time, like if he can have a big game against Minnesota and take sure. that into the, the playoffs, that's yeah. ideal. Yeah, they want him to get on a roll. I think, I don't know if you mentioned there, Michael, but like, you you can't mention his goals without, I think, what, he scored three in the Voyager's Cup, yeah. right? Right, like that, yeah. That's, that's massive. Oh, yeah. Like, they would not have won that without him. Three in three games is like tremendous. And And then, and then scoring in the shootout. Of course. 62nd minute was where the game then turned because Driussi had an effort from a good position that you'd expect him to at least get on target, but he, he pulled it wide from a, a good crossing at the box from Nick Lima. And it proved to be a costly miss because the Whitecaps then went straight up the pitch and banged in their second. And it came from a man that had only been on the pitch a matter of mere minutes. Lucas Cavallini got it. He tucked away a low one from gold from the edge of the six. It's what you want your striker to do. It's where you want your striker to be. In the box. Yes. And not talking about anything else just now, but the goal. It was a good <laughs> team goal. He took it well. You saw what it meant to him. I was a little bit worried he was going to get booked for over-celebrating when he jumped over the barrier and went straight up to the fans. Well, te <laughs> technically, technically, we know that that's a yellow card. Yes. <laughs> no, but, but but you could tell the way he speed he was going that that was a natural thing for him to do. Otherwise, he was going to bang into those boards. Like, it was but, clear that he, no, no, but his momentum took him over the bar. Yeah, he no. did He did follow up and go further in. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> but the initial jumping over the boards, that was okay to do. Oh, yeah, that's fine. It's when you, you're not supposed to interact. Oh, okay. And you you yeah. saw what it meant to him, and it, it clearly meant a lot, and he's been apologetic it, for everything. And It was right after Jerusi's miss, too, right? Yeah. Right after, yeah. It was a couple of minutes. Yeah, straight, straight, up the, straight up the pitch. Now, well, okay, before we, before we talk about the goal more, Marlon Michael, how did you feel? Because, I mean, going back a few weeks or whatever it was, or a month, I guess, you were like, I hope he doesn't play again. Like, he shouldn't, yeah. he shouldn't, he shouldn't I, be in the, the last game. Or I genuinely feel if the Whitecaps were out of it, you wouldn't have seen him. Okay. But we did say a couple of weeks ago, if they're still in the mix, you have to, have to play you have him. To play him. Okay. Yeah, I think it was the right decision not to start him yeah. because that would have been a, a pretty bad message for Brian White, even though the informed striker this season has been Cavallini. So, and, and, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, yes, you, you don't want, like, I agree with you that it would have been, like, if they were out of it, you don't play him. But for the... For the sake of the supporters that are still following this team, and for the you know the you know the teammates and everything like that, I think you have to make him available in this case. So I I don't have a problem with him playing. Even though he served his suspension, um, it could he's, have been longer. I'm he's done the crime. He served his time. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised it actually wasn't longer. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be the rest of the season. Honestly, when I first saw it, um, so I was surprised it was just four games. Well, I would say now. Heading into Minnesota, you have to start him over Brian yeah. White. I would I, agree. It's like White's just out of sorts. I know we've just said we need him to get streaky, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but you can't take that risk. 
So I think you've got to go with Carver, assuming he's not suspended. <laughs> or at the end of the game stuff? Yes. Um, and the reason I say that is we got to see the good, the bad and the ugly from Carver in his short half-hour cameo on, on Saturday night. The good was obviously the goal. The bad was then allowing himself to get into it with one of the biggest shit disturbers in MLS, Felipe. Mm-hmm. It's like, no matter whether he's playing on your team or against your team, you know what Felipe's like. You know what yeah. he does. He gets under your skin. Totally. And Cava let that happen. Yeah. And that's that's just the general worry, is that around the league, players like Felipe, and if I'm a coach, I send Felipe on and oh, some yeah. of that elk going, right, you, you get under his skin. Like next week, if Adrian Heath has got a guy that is in that shit disturber mold, Adrian Heath's going to say, you the Alonso still on, on the team? To I was going to say, is, is, is Alonso fit? What's yeah, is Alonso on the oh. team? I don't even know if he's on Minnesota or not. That would be That'd an be interesting brutal. one to, to, to get or, under his skin. But someone sure. will get under his skin. Someone will be either mo- mouthing off at him or do a couple of hard tackles because you know he's going to react. The, there was a moment, I can't even remember, that so much happened in those final minutes but there was a moment that you physically saw the red mist come over Cavallini's eyes and he had a maniacal look on him and that goes back to him saying I, I can't control this yeah. uh, for me for me though I thought I felt like in the last little bit I thought Austin was a little bit more uh uh more the people that pursued the physical play and the and oh the yeah they, they were going to, and, they were going for and it. And also, time. I felt the referee lost a lot of control near the end of the game. There's a couple of places where he could have slowed down the play. Like, yeah. although Cavallini might have been a little bit of a dive, but he definitely got shoved by yeah. the center back. And then, and then they called a foul on Vancouver against the Austin player. And I think it should have been called back even before that. Like, I, I thought the ref that, had a good game up until the 90th minute, and then he yeah. just lost the plot. Or he yeah, he, control. he needed to control it a little bit more. Not to be giving yellow cards out for fouls, but he needed to slow the game down um, in order to get things back rolling because it did look like it was spiraling out of control. I I think the booking for Kava, which is what I'm putting in the, the bad category, I think it was harsh. But he put himself in the position to get it because his reputation precedes him. Yeah. But I mean, it, I I don't think it was a booking. I think it was a it it was a stupid thing. But then the, the ugly was the post game, and like we've talked, teams know that they're going to get him fired up. But I I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, and it's hard to tell. All we know is that his personal minder, Mister Vanstone, was right <laughs> in the in the mix of it. Yeah, and was. He was keen to stress, as were the Whitecaps after the game to the the media that were there, that there was nothing to see, nothing happened. The TV pictures kind of give a different indication. And I haven't heard this myself, but someone had said Colin Miller had said on the radio that he's adamant he saw Kava do something. I'll just leave it vague like that. Folk can listen to, to where it is. Now, I didn't see it myself. But Colin Miller was adamant that there was an incident, which is why, if it hasn't been captured, Cav is okay. 
But you don't know what the referee or the officiating team did see and what might be in the referee's report. Yeah, but I think it was just, just so I think, stupid. I think it was just million dollar boys being million dollar boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just stupid to let yourself get into that when you're coming off a four game suspension. But like Leo Wusu was like he was, wild he was as a, well, and yeah, I, if I don't know, it felt like got pushed I, over. I, I felt like Austin was more aggressive than anything, and I think if the uh, MLS does review it, that's what they'll see, and I think they'll if they do, I don't think they'll do anything because I don't think they want to punish Austin because I think if they punish Vancouver, Austin has way more stuff that was going on in there. Yeah, I I don't think they will either. Yeah. It it was just disappointing to see that happen, and obviously tensions do boil over. What I thought was interesting though is. If the Whitecaps get in, it's Austin that they're facing in the first round of the playoffs. So was that in the Austin mindset? Am I reading too much into this? Were they trying to get a bit of fire for this rematch? Were they wanting to take that into what's going to be their home turf? It's going to be a whole different Austin team that we see down there. I I don't know. I, I, could, I guess and that could be part of what, what Felipe was thinking in terms of whatever, but like Cav is just not a smart. He's not smart. He's not a smart footballer. Like his yellow card is just like stupid. Why would so, you go and why? I, yeah. I I don't know if I agree with you. That was harsh, Michael. Why would you run into the back of a player like that? Like, what's the referee supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of giving him no no excuse. And then you could see that after that. This so this this is around the yellow card when he's talking to the guy. He's like, yeah, you and me after you and me after or whatever. The guy's like, yeah, let's go. You like. It's like, it's like that's moronic to me. Like someone, it's it's it's, it's normal for uh, any other player. It's okay for any other player to do stuff like that. For Cavalini, he that that's the big difference. No, yeah, you're, he has you're shown coming so off many a bad game suspension. Yeah, it's... that's the issue. That it's for him. It, it doesn't look good. If it was any other player, I don't think anybody really would have batted an eye or talked about. No, it they would just be like, oh, it's just day. handbags, and then they would just and move and, the, on. and and the other thing is about Austin too. If you look at their their previous like six games, they've only they've only won one and drawn one out of the last six. So they might be like going, what's going on with us? And then maybe they're trying to spark a fire going into the playoffs because they don't want to be, you know, you have this yeah. big, good, great start, but then you're fluttering at the end and you don't want to go into the playoffs like that. So it could have been a message to themselves as well. Yeah, that's fair. The way they ended the game. I, I, I apologize. I can't remember who tweeted this at me, but they said, having watched Cavett in his post-game interview, it's clear the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. Yeah, and multiple people have said similar things to me about him that know him much better than any of us ever will. Like that, he, he he's yeah, just not. He's not maybe able to like yeah, like literally control himself or make good decisions in in moments like that. Well, the rumors over the weekend were that he has been offered to Atlas on a free after the season. What country is that? Mexico. Mexico. Okay, yeah. They don't punish the players like that. His style, you feel, fits it in there. And he did thrive when he was down there. Yeah. It, it might be a good fit for him, and it might be something that he needs to do in addition to the Whitecaps. It might be a mutual thing. Yeah, I, I think he needs a fresh start. No matter, like, taking the Whitecaps part of it out, for him as a player and a person, I think he needs a fresh start. He needs to get out of MLS. I don't think it's a league that suits his physical style like i would say like like i remember when kendall and it's not the same before you jump on me zach kendall watson waston sorry kendall 
what's it Watson or Watson? Watson. I can't remember Watson <laughs> because there's a bad Watson too, and I'm getting confused now. Yeah, Kendall Watson when he was here, he would he wouldn't he never played dirty, but his physical ability to mm. overpower people gave him got him yellow cards. Yeah, now, and then he got Lucas a reputation and then a reputation, and now Lucas Cavallini uh, clearly has a reputation if he never had one before after the head stomp. Or the Seth Rollins, or whatever you want to curb stomp. Um, you basically, he's got the reputation. There is, he's, he's going to be hounded. And if he play continues to play, like clearly after four games, he didn't learn that he needs to cool it a little bit after yeah. at the end of Austin. And I don't think he's going to learn it in the future. So for Vancouver's sake, for his sake, um, I think it's better off that he doesn't play in MLS. Honestly, yeah, yeah he he can't be in Vancouver. Like he can't be anywhere in MLS. Because he's going to do this thing anywhere, unless he yeah. like he plays for TFC and Osorio is able to keep him under control. But remember, he kicked Osorio in the shins too. Yeah, that's, that's supposed to be his childhood friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't see I don't see how anything in MLS will work. It was interesting, I thought as well, that Herdman didn't use him in these two games either. Yeah, he gave Ugbo got a look, mm. and was there and and Brim was it Brim also got in? Possibly, I think I, he did. I, I think it wouldn't have been a good look for Herdman to put him in too after him like doing something like that where he's suspended for egregious like foul like that. So yeah. it's not a good look for him. I think it's a wise decision by Herdman because he would have been questioned for that. But then a normal player would be like, oh, okay, I need to make sure I keep my nose clean because I really want to go to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was moronic. Is what his his behavior at, at, at that the, on the in and in and after the he got booked. And at the end of the game, were moronic. Yeah, I think your red, your red mist uh, thing, or seeing like a red, yeah. you know, uh, like just, a bull seeing just seeing a red. Him. Yeah, a, a bull seeing red or something but, like but, that. Yeah. Whatever you want to. But say. here's the it, thing, it, it dude. Here's the them. thing, guys. That's not an excuse. Oh well, no, I not. know. We're it's not, not saying an it's an excuse, but no, that's it's a, clearly it's, what's happening. Yeah, it's a reason. It's the reasoning of what's going on. Of what, like he just can't handle it at this point. No, because because you know bulls, they can't handle red, so it's the same thing here. Last thing I'll say about the game is something that disappointed me, which was the crowd. It was 19,292. Last home game of the season, everything was on the line and it wasn't a sellout. I I was a bit disappointed in that. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a good crowd for them for this for this year. I mean, it's still a decent number, but I would have hoped they could have sold out. If you, but if you take into account that it's like twenty degrees in October, on a weekend, um, I think I think people are taking still taking advantage of whatever they can. Yeah, well, I mean, I was up at UBC, so yeah, I, it, Mike, Mike, this wasn't like the Voyagers Cup final; they had a week or two or whatever two or three yeah. to sell it. You know, to like well, they also didn't have all the offers and deals and stuff. But well, exactly, exactly. That's what I mean. Like they didn't have, like they didn't know. I mean, they could have been done by now, right? They didn't know till yeah. last game, so they had like less than a week to. To I, I would say I thought I, nineteen I, was good. I, for I this didn't season. know till Tuesday night when Seattle messed it up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Since I, 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 I would say that that it was a very decent crowd for the time and the and the extenuating circumstances. All right, I'm maybe just being harsh again. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm I, in my harsh mood. My my holiday vibe is obviously worn off, and I'm just harsh. I, no, I, I I agree. Like for this season, that was a good crowd. Obviously, it's it's not a good crowd in like in a, the bigger picture. But for mm. this season, I think it was a, a really good crowd. Just to round this part off, I've got a bulging sack here that I need to empty. We got some listeners' questions, so we'll just rapid fire. Just some of this we've talked about, some we haven't. 
TVB says, how can Vanny justify three at the back for such a long stretch of the year? It wasn't passing the eye test or the analytical. So, I mean, we've covered that and it, it yeah. is disappointing thing. It's certainly something I'll I think he ask was, Vanny yeah, about post-season I think, chat. I'm wondering if it's the Italian in him that he just really wanted to play three at the back or he wanted to really, he was so committed to it, especially at the beginning of the season, that he didn't want to give it up until it yeah. became a, a moment that he needed to at that point. Very possibly. Yeah. Tim Altman says, win or lose, and this is about this game in Minnesota, win or lose, I worry we won't improve enough in the off-season because we almost or made the playoffs. I hope Axel was making decisions while we were struggling and seemingly out of contention, not after decision day. And that goes back to last year as well, yeah. where they, they just got in and they're like, oh, we don't need to change too much. And that I think that's a very fair worry from Tim that they might have that same approach. Although they have made some good summer additions this year, at least. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way you're going to get the more positive ones. The ones that they need to work on in the winter for me all the time is your backups, like your rotational players. That's where you got to improve. You're not, you might not improve a starting position, uh, but a rotational. And if you're going to get rid of Cavallini, you definitely need to bring in a striker as soon as possible. Yeah. I think it's both Steve, but I, I think Proggy, uh, Tim there, uh, Michael is, I think expressing the the heart or and the mind of most Whitecaps fans, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that was it was shocking last year when Axel to me that when Axel said that, like, oh yeah, well, obviously we're good enough. We don't, we don't need to make that many changes. Uh, do we no. do do we have any injured players that are going to be like brand new players? Brand new year? signing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, can, oh, they, Kyle they can come back and he's going to be a brand new signing again. The only the only one who would feel like a new signing if he actually came back uh, would be Derek Cornelius, I think. Yes, I agree. But, or cook his lavalini <laughs> with a mustache. But no, they, I, Tim's right. They they cannot whether they whether it's a hey we almost made it or hey we just made it that can't be an excuse for not uh, significantly improving their squad. Yeah, I mean, Oz Sweeney kind of echoes that. He says, "Do you get the feeling from talking to different people at the club that they're going to double down on this roster again?" Or can we hopefully see some signings this off-season to bolster the squad for the Champions League and the start of the season, like adding new DPs to help Gold? And I think that might be the thing that makes it a bit different this year, which is this Champions League run. Yeah, because they need players. Yeah, uh, and they, they need, need better depth. And they, need, they do have the money too. They will have that influx of money for the Champions League. Yeah, they get so. GAM for that. Yeah. yeah, because obviously you don't know what the draw is going to be. But if they if they want to make a run and go a little bit deep, at least in the Champions League, they might have to sacrifice some MLS games. So you need better depth. Yeah. And I think you, we've seen a lot, the curse of Champions League. And I'm sure Seattle could point at that. They yeah. put so much in the early part of the season on the Champions League that they've now just fallen short. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's, Good. that's a... I mean, you can people can uh, people can talk about that all they want. Like, if 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 you're if you're Seattle, would you rather have the, the have one been the first MLS team to win the Champions League and not make the playoffs, or would you rather make the playoffs, you know, for the, another year in a row and not have won the Champions League? I was thinking. Obviously, that, you want both. Yeah, I, you want both. I but. was thinking that when I was watching the game yesterday, and I think the fan base would be a bit split. Because there's some folk that still don't really think Champions League as much, but I think the majority 
would be happy that they've won the Champions League and made history and they're going to be in a Club World Cup if exactly. it takes place than a, a playoff run. So I, I think you can be very happy with that. And yeah, I don't know. Um, Kevbo says, I don't know what's on Ryan Gold's mind, but I do know what's on his head. It's a magic hat. Yeah, they've been, they've been singing that for him. Or they sing it for everyone now. Oh, I don't know. They, I've heard that a bunch. That that shouldn't be used. That should be used sparingly. No, I think it's for everyone. For, for Ryan Gold, for everyone, or maybe maybe it's maybe it's Ryan Gold only now. But it, yeah, I've definitely heard it a few times. Maybe well. they were working around to see who it fits best. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the glass slipper. It's the magic hat. Whoever this hat fits. Um, couple more. The Chambersian one says, without looking too overly optimistic. I'm wondering about their expectations for the playoffs. I suppose anything is possible as long as they keep performing in this Jekyll and Hyde sort of a year. Well, the thing is, if they get into the playoffs, they're an informed team. Yeah. And there's some of these other teams just now that are like not Austin. in the best well, I, form. I, I mentioned Austin. The four wins in the last, uh, sorry, four losses in the last six games. And mm-hmm. who knows what they're going to do next week too. So that they could be a team that... Because you can't just switch it on. Uh, you can't just flip, especially for a team like that that's just kind of getting together. I think it's their second year or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you can't, they don't have any playoff experience or history as a team or as a, as a, even as a city or a club. So it, it's something that definitely is possible. I wouldn't put money on it, but it definitely is possible that they could make a run, at least win one game if they make the playoffs. That's I mean, a big if. Yeah. That, well, that, that's the thing they have to get there. I mean, they're, they're already. I mean, this is basically the playoff start now. Yeah, you can look sure. at this. This, this is a, a play-in game, which, of course, the MLS playoffs used to have. This is effectively that, as is RSL Portland. So, I mean, you, you've got two play-in games this coming weekend. It's fantastic. And and, and even, I think, uh, uh, sorry to j- jump on this, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whenever the games are, the East, all the four teams that are in 6, 7, 8, 9 are playing one another. So that's like an early playing game. Yeah, that's the games on Wednesday because they've still got yeah. some to catch up. Yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be a very exciting midweek. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a good chance because they are in form and it's it's not a, it's not going to be easy. There's some good teams in there, but I mean, Minnesota's not in a good run. We'll touch on that in the next part. Austin's not in a good run, which would be the, the first opponent. So stranger things have happened. Travalentine says, who else wrote off this season when we had four points after eight games? Got my hand up. <laughs> I think I've written us off about ten times this year. I am I'm very happy to eat humble pie, as anyone that knows me, I will munch on any pie that is put in front of me. And if it's a humble one or whatever, I, I will gladly eat it. And I'm gl- glad to have been proven wrong, because I, I just did not think that this was going to happen. Yeah, I was like uh, not expecting much, especially because uh, I remember last time they had the Voyagers Cup, they won it, and I think they just barely made the playoffs, but they went on a horrible run. And the same thing here, like after winning the Voyagers Cup, three straight losses in games yeah. that they should have got points out of, at least two of them. Yeah. Um. So though, yeah, essentially, uh, that I definitely did not see them beating LA or Seattle, and definitely this week against Austin, I thought it might be a draw at the best, but they, I- yeah, they've definitely pulled it out. I remember weeks ago when I was looking at the schedule and I said, oh, you look at that running and you can't see them taking many points from the last three matches. And yeah. 
No, but I, again, I clearly but no, know sod all about football. So there we but, go. But also goes back to what Steve just said. You you saw them definitely taking more points than they did in that run after the Voyagers yeah. Cup. Like it, yeah. it's it's weird the way yeah it's, it's weird the baseball played out. And and the um, thing is, and it's just for the playoffs as well. Sorry, quickly, um, they didn't they didn't have this like last year. It was a large scale like catch up. Like they had to win mm-hmm. a lot of games in order to get here. It's like a short one. So maybe they have some energy going into the playoffs in order to yeah. Play. It's like slowly, slowly catchy monkey is basically yeah. what the end of the season has been. Uh, CD Pryor asks a very good point. So I wonder how much of a playoff run would change who stays or leaves. Or if that has mostly already been determined, regardless, I, it's an interesting one. You would hope that they would know, and no matter what happens now, won't change that. But I mean, there could be some players on the bubble that suddenly play themselves into staying next year, or vice yeah, versa. I'm not always a big fan of that because over a full season, you should know who's going to yeah, who's good I, enough to stay. I agree with you. Yeah, like oh. I, I, and and that has to do a little bit with the coach from last year too. That. Like I, I was like I, t- I said it last year too, yep. and I'll say it again this year. I wasn't a big fan of just a little bit of a run up. Now this year he has shown a little bit, but there's been a lot of mistakes he's made too. No, I don't. I don't. I think with like a Nicholas overhaul, they they're relying far more on the just the just the eye or just a few games here or a run there or poor form, you know, in these matches. Like there, I think there's more that goes into it now than maybe before. Just a, a fun little throwaway thing. I'll I'll just put in here. Over the last, well, I guess it'll be three weeks now, I had two different people from soccer circles, like proper football people, tell me that John Herdman wants the Whitecaps job after the World Cup. And it's two people that would not be connected to have heard that. And it's like, interesting. So if Vanny's job was possibly teetering, there's no way he goes after this run. I'm not sure. I, I, if somebody like that is interested, I think the Whitecaps do what they can have to do in order to make it. Maybe they just all of a sudden uh, uh, reset their expectations that we should have done better. And that's why we let Santa- Vanny Sartini go. If, if you're John Herdman, surely you want to try and stick it out. I mean, you stuck it out so long with the women's team. What, yeah. Surely you want to stick it out for four more years hosting a World Cup. I would I agree know, with that. It, it's, it's three years, I guess, Gold Cup, but it's three years of not competitive games. Whereas you could be hands-on and increase your, your personal stock so much. Why would he yeah. Why would he want to come to MLS? Like, surely... Well, Vancouver, his home's here. No, I know. that. That's obvious part, but why would he not want to go? Cause well, this surely... would be a stepping stone, I guess. Yeah, but surely Canada is a stepping. Uh, the women's team, the men's team, is a stepping stone to something in his home country, in his actual home country, where, where you know he could make significantly more money. You'd think. Yeah, but he's never taken a club side, so That's this true. would be like cutting your teeth uh, in that. In uh, because if you went, say, you went to be a Newcastle manager, you are crucified from the minute. No, you obviously get there. he wouldn't start at Newcastle. No, I know, but I'm just I'm but, giving that as an example. Well, why would he but want to go to Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough <laughs> just sacked their their coach today. And and not, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but why would you want to go to Vancouver where the ambition is is not at the highest level, right? Like, I mean, again, the, the upside is, and then multiple coaches have told me this in the past. The upside is if you do anything well in Vancouver, people know you've done it with less than other teams, and so you're seen in a better light. But yeah, I, I, but, I don't, I but don't the know. thing is, the thing is, when if you think of it, a lot of people would say um, Canada had similar 
non um, yeah. expectations or or like ideas to exp- uh, like expand in the world. They never put very much money into their program either until recently. So I I, I think it's a similar thing. The, the Whitecaps and Canadian national team is very similar. Mm. I mean, it, it might all be bollocks, but I just thought it was interesting that two people just independently told me that, and it's like uh, I would, uh, I would agree with Zach though. I would think he's like sticking it out till twenty twenty six, even though there's not very many competitive games. I think it's better off because you're still. And the one thing about John Herdman though, I don't know how we would be like every day with players. Like in small doses, yeah, that, he might be that very was the effective, exact but, conversation I had with one of these people when we were talking about this. Yeah, in a, in a, with uh, and just by it wasn't me that was conversing with. Oh people. yes, um, uh, but in like in small doses, he might be very effective. In a full year, I'm not sure how how effective he would be. People sometimes professional players can drown out like people that are like high like uh, motivational coaches kind of thing. Hmm. Last two things from our mailbag. This is more rhetorical. Which is sweeter? One, TFC not making the playoffs. Two, the Sounders not making the playoffs. Three, potentially Portland not making the playoffs. Or four, the trifecta. Obviously the trifecta would yeah. be the best, sweetest, but uh, if, if it was choice between the three, I just have to say TFC. I don't watch the Sounders that much, like on social media and on TV. So just watching TFC fans upset that they missed the playoffs after bringing I mean, that, all this that's, Italian That's money always in. fun. Exactly. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But yeah, aside, aside from the trifecta, for me, it's obviously Seattle. I think I would probably err with Seattle as well, just because they had never... No, yeah, I never missed before. it. Yeah. But I, but I enjoy but it, Stephen Caldwell, Caldwell squirming too a little Oh, he has sounded miserable, but but uh, but Lovely yeah, again, I say that knowing that the Flounders are drying their tears on their you know, uh, CONCACAF Champions League, yeah, and, and that, World Club Cup appearance, yeah, I know that that's why I'm saying it doesn't uh, like they it still feel like they accomplished something, even though they missed the playoffs. Oh, they did, yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing, um, it's another tweet from Oz Sweeney. Uh, we we were talking a little bit about this before we we're recording. So, our good friend Har, uh, she wrote a piece this week on. Whitecaps players dealing with abuse on social media. So Oz said that I, I once again bumped up against how repetitively the club has sort of gone after fans saying that they're trolls, etc. for criticising players to team. Of course, many go over the top, but he wants to know what our thoughts are, are on like the article and how the, the club handles the criticism. Now, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Har's piece just because some of the examples that she used as being criticism that had maybe crossed the line, I didn't necessarily think had. And it, nobody wants to be abused at their work. It's kind of part and parcel of football, and it always has been. Years ago, you got it from the terracing over in the UK. Then in the fanzine culture that I, I started off in, the fanzines just criticise players, managers, whatever, left, right and centre. It's obviously a lot worse now with social media and it's everywhere. And players, they say, oh, we don't want to read it or sometimes you can't help yourself and you, they Google the name and then they read it. But I don't think it helps by calling people trolls and having a go at them and yeah. it just gets their hackles up and if anything it just well, raises the abuse 
the the thing is the funny thing was is that they like they it was a weird balance the way the players would mention it because they say oh the players the fans have or supporters have a right to their opinions for sure um but they go most of the people they feel that do that are people that live in the basement so it's a matter of them we, and we don't see like it could be some of the stuff that Hart put in the article maybe that's what they were allowed to put in maybe there was more harsher stuff that they couldn't put in or something i don't know she didn't mention anything like that so maybe this is the stuff she could find and maybe there's stuff that's been out there that has been deleted like maybe after a month or something because people don't want that yeah. stuff available i, I know them, there right? has been some posts that's gone up that have crossed the line and fans have yeah. got on at the person and then they've deleted it yeah the people there's 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 drive-by tweets there's a lot of drive-by tweets where they put it up for a couple of days and then they'll delete it they want to they want to see if the player sees it and then they get a, a delete it because they don't want it to be affecting their like they might say oh you like people say oh this guy works here like people have been fired for some of their tweets right so mm-hmm. they they don't keep them up for very long oh my um there's i think a lot to, to we could say about this but i i think first off um i think you i think you can cross a line yeah. in your criticism of player whether it's online or in person so I, can you do that i believe you can i personally have not seen anything that comes anywhere close to crossing the line now i'm not in the stadium anymore so maybe Maybe there's stuff in the stadium that's crossed the line. I don't. I don't know, but the stuff that I've seen does not cross the line, uh, or has not crossed the line at all. It's been they. It's been people expressing their frustration that the squad or players in the squad are not at the level or at a level that they could or should be. And to me, that's. I think the criticism actually is pretty, pretty been pretty fair. Um, but you and, and, can't see. You can't see everything, Zach. You have to admit no, that. No, 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 no. That's what I'm just saying yeah. based on what I've seen. I mean, and based on, and even based on the stuff she and, put in. And you don't run in the same circles as Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here, but no, but here, here's, here's, the, here's the other thing. So, look, I'm I, in my basement here. It's no, well, that's the other thing. No, I, well, think, no one, I think, I think, who can afford a basement anymore anyway in, in the lower mainland? Vanny Sartini and I think Flo Youngworth's comments are, I think, uh, you are one, they're ignorant because the, a lot of the, some of the stuff I've seen are from people who are very invested fans who highly care about the team and yeah. who highly want them to do well and to be better on the field. And so to, to then call those people names or to make fun of them, to me, uh, shows that, th- that, one, you're extremely defensive, a bit soft, and you don't get how to engage with your fans well enough. Well enough. And so I think those comments from, from, from Vanny and Flo on this are uh, flow part of his comments were fine like yeah if you have a problem with me come talk to me let's talk about it i know when i'm bad i'm happy to talk about it but the hey it's just people in their basements on their computers and they don't really and they don't know football and or they're internet trolls or they're just trolls they're not real fans uh i think is naive and ignorant and i think that uh if i was the white caps who i know we all know like to control their narratives as much as possible i probably would have instructed them to stay away from making fun of people who are actually uh, you're paying customers uh, and and have have significant concerns over you know what what you're doing as a club. Like, um, but, 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 so for, but that's so for if that, that's if he did they did they say all of them are like that or just some of no, them? No, no, I, I don't remember. I, I, I don't think, remember the article. Well, before. I guess but it, it kind of encapsulated that it was everyone, but yeah, without saying well, everyone. It kind it kind of comes across as anyone oh, okay. anyone who yeah. would say uh, I disagree with that way. then yeah. the way they said yeah. that then. I mean so so maybe he meant it towards specific individuals, yeah. but the way it's yeah. the way it's put out there is these people are this way. And so I, it to me it, it 
it's uh yeah because they I, do I, they, they do a lot of them i remember seeing in a lot of the article that people players mentioned you know supporters have a right to their opinion so they do start off with that but maybe they're making fun of the people that go really harsh into their criticism maybe yeah. that's who they're specifying well, it's like obviously james and rusty that. are the two yeah that have had a, a lot of abuse rusty in in particular now, there's things funny, that obviously but, cross the line, like racist like, abuse obviously crosses the line. Yeah, but about the one thing about stuff like that, that goes without saying. But if yeah. Rusty refused to be part of this article, smartest thing he could have done, because he is the one that's probably abused the most out of all the players, other than maybe Jake. Him and Jake are probably yeah. the two top two out of everybody. And yeah, you're just in, in, encouraging more abuse. What I would say is folk think abuse is any criticism yeah and it's not and it's worse and i know you can't always say oh it's worse overseas blah 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 and write it off as simple as that but it is and if these players are that upset by that here never go and play in europe never go and play in south america the thing is 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 i i I personally don't have like my my biggest issue with whenever somebody posts something online is don't at them yeah. There's no need to. That was the other thing somebody. I was going to say. They're like, just just write whatever you need to write. And, and the problem I have is people that add people that add yeah. the players. To me, that, no need that's to do the that. no no. You can have yeah. your point of view. You can criticize them. Don't at them because that's just being a pure dick. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, I, I I agree that yeah. Obviously, it is much. Uh, it's much more. You know. Uh, horrible <laughs> in other in other parts of the world, but I, I also think the other thing that we need to say about this is these are not this is not these are not people who are working in a cubicle in an office, uh, and so to say like oh no one should take abuse at their job or whatever, no no these people have signed up for a job that is in the public that is about the public adoring them or watching them at their work. This is not the same as you cannot say oh this is their job leave them alone. No, their job is to perform in front yeah. of people and so you're going to get applause and you're going to get criticism and if you can't deal with that then you're in the wrong you're in the wrong profession absolutely but let us know your thoughts on that as well let us know your thoughts on the white caps playoff chances we're going to turn our attention to the whole playoff picture now in the next part we'll be back with that after this hi i'm ryan gold and you're listening to the aftn soccer show Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our former Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Husker Du from St. Paul, Minnesota, where the Whitecaps will be heading 
On Sunday Afternoon. That's the title track from their 1983 debut album, Everything Falls Apart. Because everything has seemingly fallen apart for a number of teams in the MLS West. And as I said in the first part, I'm delighted to be eating humble pie. The the results that needed to go right for the Whitecaps elsewhere have gone right for the Whitecaps elsewhere. And it just seems such a a tall order, if not an absolutely impossible task, but they, they've pulled it out, I said on last week's show. Zach, football is a funny old game saint. And I've been proven right. But if the Whitecaps are to get to the, the playoffs, it's a win under end scenario in Minnesota next Sunday. That's still a tough task in itself. They'd be in the playoffs for the second straight season. Then they would be facing Austin in that playoffs. And as we said, judging by how that game ended on Saturday, that could be quite tasty. As we head into decision day, there's still two playoff places up for grabs in the West. But the Whitecaps can only be seventh at best. But positions four to seven could still all like change. Different teams could be in that. The playoff picture, who's going to play who, it's too too tough to call right now. So how do we get to this situation? Well, aside from the Whitecaps winning their three straight games, Minnesota and Seattle have capitulated. We'll come to Minnesota shortly as we look ahead to that game on Sunday, but Seattle, as we touched on in the last part, will now miss the playoffs for the first time in their MLS history. Happy days are here again. Now, they still controlled their own fate after that loss to Vancouver. But a 1-0 draw at home to Cincinnati midweek, salvaged by a late Freddie Montero goal. I thought the Colombian was going to come back and haunt the Whitecaps. They followed that up with a horrible 1-0 loss to Kansas City on Sunday, where they mustered one solitary shot on target in a must-win game and had St- Stephen Fry to thank for even keeping them in the game. I think there was 11 shots on target or something for, for KC in the end. So that sealed their fate in the other way. And they were robbed. Yes. Did you both get a chance to watch the highlights of the game, if not the full game? Yeah. Yes, I saw the highlights. I, I, I watched it live because okay. there was just so much on the line. But what did you make of the penalty decision that was not given? Should this be a Ted Uncle appreciation show? I, I no, didn't I, think those the, words would ever come out of my mouth. The Colombian was kicked in the, in the box. It should clearly be a penalty. I'm not disappointed. Yeah, I'm not disappointed either, but <laughs> I would like to so, kick the Colombian in the box. <laughs> I, think, I think that was that that, that that me saying that will probably be enough that it tells you how I feel about it. It was a very strange decision because when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's probably a penalty. But then I saw it from behind. I was like, oh, no, that's definitely a penalty. Exactly. I love the commentator as well when Ted Uncle goes over and says, why is he even wasting his time? Why don't they just say it's a penalty? And it's like, He's not given the penalty. <laughs> it, it was great. It was. It's crazy to me. I, it's I, a ballsy I, decision by a referee at any point to be called over because VAR saying, "Yeah, we think you should have a look at this because we think 
it's a penalty. It, it, and be, then be in clear, a massive game as well. Just for clarification, it's the VAR people, officials, saying we think it's clear and obvious yes. that this is a penalty. Yeah. No. And, and, and Uncle was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. This I, is I, this this is where the whole referee on the field making the decision sometimes is like pointless. Because if he's saying if he's saying he he might have been looking at it right on. And I think if the if I'm mistaken the highlights it shows that uncle's looking at it. So mm-hmm. if he's being called out by saying that it was clear and obvious and he missed it, he, maybe he go maybe he goes yeah, maybe it's clear and obvious to you, it's not to me. So that's why I'm saying like sometimes you need a, a one person booth or whatever review or two three people committee that tells you yes it's a penalty call it right now it's a penalty because sometimes uh, you can get into like an ego matchup when you mm. got the official on the field saying it, i didn't miss anything okay but so I, I, i'm just I, i'm just letting you know uh, the, what the mentality no, I, I, I totally agree with that because I don't, we've seen I, it a couple of times i don't disagree with you at all on that steve i will say if ted uncle is not giving him a penalty because he because of his ego and he doesn't want to be overturned the dude should not be in that position. Mm. But what that, but what I'm saying is, you take that out of the like, you take it yeah, out yeah. of the oh, yeah. hands of the. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I. That's why I prefer it to be like that. Like, what is it? Uh, cricket is like that. Rugby, I think, is like that. If I'm not mistaken, that the people in the booth make the calls if there's something needs to be reviewed. The the only thing I can think about it, and I've watched it a couple of times, is there's an angle from behind the goal where you could, at a stretch, I think, but you could make a case that the Casey player just nudges the ball slightly and Freddie runs into him, looking to draw the contact. That's and maybe I, what I you saw. I don't know if that's then why he's like, well, that could have happened, so to me that's not clear and obvious. Yeah, and that's that, that's where I'm saying, like, it's just... It, Sometimes clear and obvious for one person is not clear and obvious for another. I'm pretty all, all I'm sure about is uh, I'm sure Garth Logaway is uh, having some words with uh, the HQ there in New York this week. Like, he can have an essay at this point. Yeah. It doesn't make a difference. Oh, incidentally, I need that money that we have to send down to Ted's bank account by the end of the recording as well. He he did ask for for that to come through. Obviously, he would not not, take money. You you forgot. We're not supposed to put it directly. It's supposed to be the Uncle Charity Foundation. Oh, yes. Yes. You guys are are Venmoing him? Yeah. It's Cayman Islands and stuff. It's it's, it's all all, all cool. But I I love Ted Uncle. I've always thought he's a terrible referee. Now I think it's wonderful. (laughs) I wish he was my uncle. It was such a big decision as well. Now, Seattle had to win that game. So obviously, even if they got the penalty and scored, a draw wasn't going to be enough. But there's a big difference, 15, 20 minutes of a game, chasing a goal to win it, than chasing two goals to win it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very key point. Haven't had a chance to watch instant replay or anything today, so I'll be curious what, what the MLS people think, but since they're big Seattle fanboys anyway, I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> um, I mean, M- MLS in the West and the East, but in, we're just looking at the West, they couldn't have scripted it better because you've got these final two places up for grabs. You've got four teams battling it out. As I said in the last part, it's like two play-in games, effectively. So the Whitecaps have to go and win in Minnesota, but a point 
guarantees the, the Loons a place and ends the Whitecap season. RSL host Portland, and they also need all three points, and the Timbers just need a solitary point to clinch. The Timbers could even finish fourth and get a home playoff game if they win and they get some help from LAFC in Houston. So it's it really is an exciting decision day with a lot on the line, not just one game to pay attention to, or two maybe, but there's so much on, on, on the line here. Now, don't want to think too far ahead, but if, if the Whitecaps get into the postseason, the game with Austin would take place on the 15th, 16th, or the 17th. So I'm just putting this out in the universe just now, not the 15th, because I'm doing a UBC game. 16th <laughs> or 17th, I think I'll fly down to Austin, because I really want to take out this, uh, check out the stadium. Uh, it seems amazing down there. I thought it would be coolish at this time of year. It does look like 28 degrees. Uh, I've already yeah. looked ahead. <laughs> it's a good, great place to also, if you want to like check out the food scene or the, the music. music scene, it's yeah. a great, really good yeah, place. I just have some cauliflower bites that I got from the US Costco that was from Austin, Texas today, I, I just noticed. So. Nice. Now, we obviously can't take Minnesota for granted or that this is a, a guaranteed win because I think it's far from it. Minnesota are going to be so up for this. There's a lot on the line. They're going to be in front of a packed, vociferous stadium cheering them on. But they are slumping just now. They're winless in six. They've been kept off the score sheet in four of those six games. And their last two losses were to struggling teams, Kansas City, who have turned a corner, to be fair, and then a shocker on Saturday night, San Jose, 2-0 to the Quakes, Shane Al, doing the business. Yeah, on his, and he's retiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those guys you think would never retire. No. But I mean, that, that was a, a bit of a shocker, I've got to say. But great from a white cat's point of view. Totally. Yeah, I, I personally like 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 you're right. Minnesota, they had that big stretch in the summer, like a big run in the summer where they were undefeated for like eight nine games. But they're they're kind of pulling an FC Dallas at this point, where they're just like falling. I think they were as high as like second or third at one point in the season. Were they not? I, I could have sworn they were. Oh, possibly. Uh, I, they've that, been very up or down. Yeah, and so I think they were they 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 were they they, they got to the top at like second or third, and but the drop has been horrendous mm. like in the standings. So I I feel like they are good for the taking, but sometimes you never know these these teams that like have a big long loss and then you just pick it up for one game. But again, I don't see in other sports you might be able to flip a switch, but I I feel football there's a yeah. lot to do with getting it slowly back, and it doesn't happen overnight. The Whitecaps' record in Minnesota is not great. They've played there no. four times in the MLS era. Two losses, two draws. Minus 15 goal difference. Yeah. Three of those four games has seen the Caps fail to score as well. But there does feel like no better time to be heading there for a match like this. My only worry is I'm still having... PTSD from that game in Kansas City where we went in quite cock-a-hoop full of confidence and Casey just schooled us last year. 
it, it's how the Whitecaps approach it. How, how how do you feel they should approach it? How do you see the game going? Okay, so my best thinking usually comes on the throw in the toilet. And when I was on the toilet after the Whitecaps game, I was thinking, do you put like like your kind of your backups in to start the game and then run at 30 minutes? You put all your your four best players and make sure they're good for the rest of the game. Like 60, like Galda seems to always get substituted the 60th, 70th minute. Um, Kubis seems like it too. So do you like do it that way where you play a little bit coy at the beginning or do you go straight oh, off? And I was thinking about that. Off. No, no, I, I, then I came back and I go, no, uh, you got to go straight at them. You can't hold back because if you hold back, you get a chance for Minnesota to just run away with it. Yeah. And I think, I think you that's what they get but, their fans on their back. Yeah, but the thing shut that crowd up. But there will be that five to ten minute period at the beginning of the game where Minnesota will push everything, and you got to hold off on that though. And once that ten minutes is over, that's when you do the push. Steve, just so you know, that's uh, a Game of Thrones that Michael and I uh, do not want to play with you. Okay, <laughs> that's no issue. Um, but uh, no, yeah, they they have to they have to do what they've done on the road, right? They have to come out. I think uh, come out very very strong. And uh, yeah, there's it's crazy. They're going to the last game of the year, and there's a chance for them to qualify for the playoffs, which is feels kind of crazy. Um, I think uh, I think what what happens with Luca and uh, Brian, like we talked about in the first part, is going to be interesting. Um, well, I guess will there be any issues for Luca for Lucas, you know, after the after the end of the game, <laughs> the game on the weekend or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, yeah no, let's I, just assume I, there's no. I think Vanny Vanny's got to go for it. He's he's going to go as strong as he can. For sure. And oh, one thing you mentioned about the four games that you know they haven't won a game in Minnesota. Uh, Sartini's undefeated there because I don't think he's played in Minnesota yet. Because <laughs> his game last year was early. Their game last year was early in the season in May. Mm-hmm. So and they haven't been there since today. So this year they haven't played there at all. So he's undefeated there. So let's take that into account as well. I think they have to to just go for it. And how they've been playing of late, taking the game two teams early on, that's got to be the MO. They've yep. just got to keep that going. And then what I, I hope is that it's just not a 1-0 game for the longest time because I don't know that they'll be able to survive Minnesota throwing everything at them. But... If they can get two goals, if they can get two goals ahead, I think they'll go over the line. I think it's going to be tight. My head is saying 1-1, but my heart is going 2-0 Whitecaps. Hmm. I think it's going to be like a 2-1, 3-2 game, but I think Minnesota is going to pull it out. But I think there, it'll end up a draw. Either nil nil or like anything up to 2-2 or something like that. There's no, way it's, like, there's no way it's nil nil. I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. No, I don't know about that. No, because Vancouver. My it, concern is the way nil, I guess we would we would have to then go for it. Exactly. If it's nil, nil, the back. If it's nil, no, nil I, I, in the 80th minute, they're going to be throwing everything forward. Yeah, but my concern is the Whitecaps are not going to play aggressive like we're talking about. We're saying they should play aggressive. Hey, it's it, not a guarantee that they're th- going this to. isn't your robo years. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've, <laughs> I've seen enough in Sardini that I haven't seen the good stuff in the first half. Well. We wish them all the very best, obviously. We want this season to continue. We want to, to have more games to talk about. I want a trip to Austin. We'll see how it goes. Elsewhere in the West, 
LAFC won the Supporters Shields. They oh, are we... the Western Conference champs. Y- you happy comeback. for MDS and Max? Of course. Big, big comeback. Yes. Yeah, my game. Max went Late. there because he wanted to win trophies. Now he's lifted one. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't count for anything, but still. Well, arguably, it's the, the biggest trophy. In, in, oh, in... I know. I'm being facetious. Yeah. Area-wise I mean... or space-wise? <laughs> that, that too. It's also had the heaviest. But it was a it was a interesting game. Ninety fifth minute winner for LAFC in Portland after it looked like Portland had got the point that they needed to book their playoff spot. Wow, it's it it could all have been so different for the Whitecaps next week if Sunday's games had gone differently. But I mean, LAFC have been the class team in the West, arguably in all of MLS really this season. What they have to do now, of course, is because they've won a supporter shield before, is can they take that into the playoffs? Are we going to have the MLS Cup down in LA? Which it, I could I could be tempted to go down to. It'll be interesting to see if uh yeah, if um Chirundolo, uh will have you know be able to, to be able to uh get things more right in the playoffs than Bob Bradley ever did. Yeah, well, I've said before, I feel Bob Bradley is a highly overrated coach, but we'll, we'll see. In the East, just to finish this bit up, Montreal continue to look strong, and they even have a shot now at winning the Eastern Conference and being the number one seed. Yep, they have to win in Miami and hope that TFC, their fierce rivals, somehow shock Philly. But, but Philly been, looked bad last weekend. Yeah, oh. They look terrible. It's like yeah. it looked like they were already just taking their foot off the gas as if they had the job done. Yeah. Did you guys watch the Montreal game? I saw the goal and yeah. I saw a couple of clips from it. Well, they there was they won a penalty and uh there was uh you know people holding on to the ball and wanting to take I mean, Kai had the ball. Kai didn't take it. I'm trying to Oh think yeah, because the guy got the hat trick off the own goal, giving away the penalty in a red card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, but I forget who took the penalty, but totally it missed horribly. Yeah. And I, I wish for them Kai had taken it. I mean, they're they're I, looking so good. It's a fun team to watch. Quick question: uh, If uh, Inter Miami makes a run in the playoffs, can I count that as like the year before prediction? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, it was seems, just a year. It still I was seems a year off. Likely. <laughs> yeah, I was a year off on the prediction, but they have like vastly improved compared to last year. You just got foresight. Steve, you were yeah. ahead of your time, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like safe. that. I was predicting Philadelphia for the longest time, and then finally they're doing something, but obviously not lately. I mean, the games, but... Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a bad loss that weekend. But, I mean, everything's yeah. poised. Decision day is going to be exciting. I'm going to have to watch it all in delay because I'm up at Newton commentating on the Under-17 Nationals at semi-final day on Sunday. So I'll be staying off Twitter and everything and... You want me to yell the results to you? Oh, yeah, from your house. <laughs> I'm not that close to you, but I but could yeah, drive up a five minutes. You're pretty close. Yeah, I could I could drive up whenever there's a goal or something yeah, like that. You could, you could just come oh, into the commentary and I'll go watch you, it in your if, house. If, if you hear a honk while I'm driving, uh, that's me <laughs> driving by with her. We'll have some kind of code going on. Yeah. But yeah, it should be a fantastic day. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be back with all that action in the next show. But that is it for our MLS chat. We've just got a little bit more to chat about this episode. We're going to be turning our attention to the Canadian Premier League next. The playoff picture is a lot clearer there. Just Mm. the positioning isn't. And we'll be back chatting about that after this.
Hi, I'm Tommy Wilden Jr. and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October from Olympia, Washington. We thought we'll honour the Sounders crashing out of the MLS playoffs by picking a Washington-based band. And they're called Beat Happening, the very distinctive vocals of Calvin Johnson. That was a song taken from their fifth and final album, 1992's You Turn Me On. And it's Teenage Caveman. It was the very first song I'd ever heard by Beat Happening. A girlfriend of mine in the mid-90s had put together a, a mixtape for me. And it had all this great music on it. And one of them was Beat Happening. I loved them so much that a few months later I was over in the the US and I bought all their their CDs and they're a great band. They've had five albums, some singles as well. We'll bring you a good selection of them over the month of October. I I think you'll like them. I think you'll also like our discussion in this last part as well because we're going to be turning our attention now to the Canadian Premier League and the CPL playoffs are all set. Well, the final four is all set. The seeding isn't. Pacific clinched a playoff spot with two wins and two clean sheets that saw them go coast to coast for their victories over an incredible space of four days. Part of that was because on Tuesday they played in Halifax in a much-delayed game because of the hurricane, which I still am amazed actually even went ahead when you see the devastation there. But then they followed that up with a tense 1-0 win in Langford on Friday. Those results... Coupled with Cavalry beating Valor 2-1 in an entertaining match at Spruce Meadows on Sunday afternoon, set up the final four, with three of last year's semi-finalists, Forge, Pacific and Cavalry, being joined by new boys. Atletico Ottawa, it's their first playoff appearance. Right now, Pacific and Forge have two games to go. One of them's against each other, so that's exciting. And Pacific's other game's against Cavalry, so that's also exciting. So this can all still go to the wire, but Pacific and Forge could still catch Ottawa for first. Although Ottawa's last game is against York at home, so you kind of have to fancy them to to do that. But with any of the four teams capable of beating each other, seeding could be huge to get that home field advantage for the semi. 
And who knows, if you're the number two host or seed, you might be even hosting the championship game, depending on what happens to the number one. It's all very exciting, Zach. It's been a, a good end to the season. It totally has. Uh, and I'm just excited that Pacific has uh, been able to uh, kind of pick things up and, uh, you know, press on and, 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 and qualify for the playoffs after, you know, a great start. They had that, they had some pretty significant lulls in the middle of the season and uh, happy to see them bounce back and, uh, and claim one of those spots. Yeah. Important for them, especially the fact that they had the Champions League games this year and that it didn't make their season suffer. And they te- were te- able to technically it's a CONCACAF league, I think, but okay, yeah. well, whatever the, but basically oh, it just like, uh, <laughs> But just basically uh, allow them to play those like international games, yeah. and then it doesn't affect their season. They still were able to do enough. You're right; they had, a, like, I think it was maybe a round when they were playing that they had a long stretch where they didn't have any wins. Um, it's, mm. I think it was in May, yeah. late May, early June into July, and and but then they pulled it off, and and I think it's just it's a lot to do with the other teams. Like if you're, like although all the spots are taken, it was a very balanced season i thought yeah like there were for the most part there was like valor i thought was in in the season even though they struggled at some points but everybody had their moments and it was not too far off obviously fc edmonton being the exception to the rule yes sad sad about them i i feel for phil desantis and valor as well coming oh so close to to getting into the playoffs and just falling short in the end i mean that they really went for it against Cavalry, but just fell short. And Phil said after the game, which you, you should read our piece from Scott Strosser, that's up on AFTN as well, he was at the game. Phil was very much not just putting it down to that game, but just looking at points that they dropped early in the year that they really should not have dropped. And it, it's come back to haunt them. But all teams that don't make the playoffs can do that. Oh, for sure. But, but Phil's I also... I, <laughs> I think Phil also needs to... You know, I think he's done a great job this year, and uh, hopefully he can kick on next year. I think he he's in a hard situation because I think he's aside from Edmonton, which you know doesn't technically have an owner right now. He's in the I think the most difficult situation with in terms of you know backing from his quote unquote owners, right? Like the community group that owns yeah. him. He, uh, as I talk to people in the CPL, it's like yeah, that's the one situation that's really that's really awkward for for seeing how it will progress. And so having someone as uh, quality as Phil there, I think is one way that, you know, helps them overcome their limitations. I know. See, if it wasn't for the fact he was also general manager, I would think he'd have a good chance of coming to the new CPL team out in the Valley as well as just a guy that's got experience of the league. I, I don't, don't know how much stock Rob Friend and the guys will put on that for their head coach, but I think it plays a part. I think it is important. Well, I think, or to at least understand the Canadian game. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to structure things, but I mean, Rob's going to be president or whatever, whatever the official title yeah. is, I think, right? And so, head honcho, uh, I think it is. That's oh, your favorite oh, term, isn't it? I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I, I think, but I think if, if you look at Fraser Valley, there's a number of options. Like if Alan Codge doesn't make it, like if they, they let him go because the ownership issue, then that could be an option. Um, there's a certain coach that left Texas recently that could I know, be an option as well. That, that was something I was going to mention because for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, Pamidou Ka and North Texas, 
they, they've agreed to mutually part ways. I do think Paz maybe got his eye on Europe, but okay. could he be tempted back to the CPL or would he look at that as a backward step? He wanted to get into MLS, yeah. which is why he went to Texas. <laughs> but I, I think, I, I I think because the, Dallas did so well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like FC Dallas didn't have that the one year they didn't. Yeah. They were like dropping the standings <laughs> where the coach potentially gets fired. Of course, fired and Houston going, though are looking for a new coach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. His going there wasn't just to get the, the top job in Dallas. I think yeah. I, I, I would be a little surprised if, if I mean, on one sense, I wouldn't be surprised. On another sense, I'd be very surprised if he if he came to the the Vancouver 2023 team uh, that's starting in April. I, I really think he wants to be in MLS or, yeah, maybe one day. For sure. But I don't think, I, I personally, like, for me, I don't think that, like, like I, I think we've talked about it before. I don't think him staying in Pacific would have hurt him. Like if they if they had the same run that they did this year and he was in charge playing international, mm. I think that would have helped him just as much as playing for North Texas. Yeah, you know, I think it would have because the fact that you're playing international competition, you're you've got a wider audience. Whereas I don't know how many folk ended up watching MLS Next Pro. Yeah, he did take Texas into the the playoffs, but I had them playing nice football and stuff as well. But he he wanted to be in that MLS environment. You look at what jobs might come up in MLS, and aside from Houston, I don't know that any of the other teams would look at Pa. So, I mean, Houston might, and he might want to just stay in Texas. And But then, that said, Houston needs somebody that's going to come in and really turn them around for the potential fan base that they have there. But anyway, we'll see. Some other CPL news. Pacific captain Jamar Dixon has announced his retirement mm-hmm. at the end of the season after two years with Pacific. Only 33 and announcing his retirement. It's a big loss to them. Obviously, we wish him all the very best. He's a, he's a great guy and a great role model both on and off the pitch. But caught me a little bit by surprise, that one. Well, I think he's, uh, I think he's been great. Uh, it's been great to have him in the CPL. Um, you know, we talk about how the CPL is more so for like these younger up and coming players, but it's been nice to have someone like him who's played in Canada, uh, and, and able to finish his career in the league as well. And also, you know, bring that, you know, mature, you know, experience composure, uh, to the sides that he's played for. But, um, I'm not surprised. I know it's earlier than normal, but I mean, he's probably going to go on to a job where he'll make, you know, yeah, more money. It's, it's not like, it's not like he's making it. Yeah, it's not like he's making money. Like he maybe there's a coaching opportunity for him yeah. down the road where he's going to get more. New Vancouver CPL coach. I'll just, <laughs> well, I'll just link everyone with it just now. <laughs> um, another player that we know very well, Marco Carducci, former Whitecap, current Cavalry FC goalkeeper. He has taken over from Marcel De Jong as Canadian PFA president. It's all gone a bit quiet in regard to the the PFA and getting them sort of recognised and everything in that regard. But Marco has stated in his introductory press release that he's determined to finish the job of securing collective bargaining rights with the league as it's time for players to have a formal place at the table. Right. Well, hasn't the league, with the new commissioner, said that, you know, that's, I think, something he's going to address in the off-season? Or more it is some, yeah. It's something that he said he, he does want to so yeah, maybe so that's, that is why it's gone quiet just now. Exactly. So, yeah. Maybe they have all... like a 
they have a handshake agreement. That yeah, keep all the sniping else. off social media. And, yep. I mean, we're not 100% sure what Mark Noonan's taking it all is, but he seems more open to it than David Clanahan was. Hopefully we'll find out, because I was recently speaking to Laura Armstrong from the CPL, and I said, oh, we'd love to get Mark on the show, because I haven't spoken to him yet. So we hope to do that in the off-season. She said he'll be open to that, so we will certainly get him on the show. Uh, last couple of things to talk about. It's the I touched on it in the last part. It's the under seventeen nationals kicking off on Wednesday in Surrey on the boys and the girls side. So if you're anywhere near Newton Athletic Park, get along to the games. During the week the games are kicking off at ten and I think they're on till about five. And then the weekend there's some games at nine, nine thirty. Semi finals for the boys is on Sunday. And on Thanksgiving, if you want to get away from your family for a bit, and who doesn't? Get away from the turkey, stretch your legs. It's the, the finals for both the men's and the women's under 17. Newton Athletic Park, get along or tune in to the online stream. I am doing the commentary. AFTN's the official commentators for the event. We'll be doing uh, about half the, the games from Newton Athletic Park Field 1 that are being streamed. That is pretty much it for the football chat. We're obviously going to finish with this episode's wavelength. And I'm going back to 2006 for this one. And it's a Swedish band called Fan Club. And this is their song about Swedish legend Henrik Larsson. 325 goals and 575 club appearances for the likes of Celtic, Barcelona, Feyenoord. Feyenoord. I mean, I when I think of Larson, I think of Celtic, just because he just was outstanding in his time at Celtic in the in the Premier League. I, I think of dreadlocks and that horrific leg break he had. Oh, I'd forgotten about that until you just mentioned that. Yeah, that was that was a that was a nasty one. But for Sweden as well, thirty-seven goals and a hundred and six appearances. He was a, a great player for Sweden. So this is fan club, and Henrik Larson. Give me the magic, give me the passion, show me the love and show me the game. Let's get excited, don't ever hide it. Sort of the moment, whisper his name. Henrik Larsson.
2006 there, Swedish band, fan club, Henrik Larsson, bit different, not punky, a little dance number for you there, hope that got you off your seat. That is pretty much it though for this episode of the show, it was nice to have the three of us all back together. Uh, just before we go, any final thoughts Steve, where can folk find you online, anything fun that you saw or learned this week? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WipecastBeat, and if you have any issues with me and what I said on the podcast, feel free to message nobody. Uh, just don't at me. <laughs> it's okay. If anyone abuses you, will get hard to write an article about it. Sure. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, you can find me Sorry, on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I have anything this week. Hopefully next week I'll have something more more exciting to talk about. Ah, um, that is pretty much it for me. But I do want to play something that I wouldn't normally play in the show. So we obviously we do our bumpers at the start of each part. Folks saying you're listening to oh, the AFT and yeah. soccer show. This so is a good one. We do this on our East Five podcast as well, Glory Days of Gold. So there's four of us that do that. Myself, Lee, Gordon and Doug. Now, Doug is a golf caddy. And this weekend that the Dunhill links was on in St Andrews and Doug was caddying for a, a rather famous person and I wanted him to try and get bumpers for both Glory Days of Gold and the AFT and Soccer Show but he didn't feel good about asking him to do this twice so we only got one for the show that he's on which is fair enough so I'm just going to play you the best bumper you will hear for a podcast Hi I'm Bill Murray I'm tired right now, but I still have the strength, the energy, and the commitment to listen to Glory Days of Gold. And it's helping. It, it, it's helping. Yes. Who would have thought Bill Murray was a huge East Fife podcast fan, but <laughs> he's loving it. It's helping. It's helping. It was fantastic. When, when Doug got that and sent it through, I've been playing it to everyone. I just love it so much. I couldn't possibly find uh, him saying AFTN somewhere in his movies and splice it together. Oh, if, if we could, yeah. Because <laughs> I was going to get, because Doug should be carrying for him next year as well. And oh, I'm okay. going to get him just to say, just say AFTN. And I'll just splice yeah. that in. Yeah, that's all you need to do. Is just say, just hold say up AFTN. four letters and go, what does that say, Bill? <laughs> but a, a fun story I do want to tell you about this. So Bill Murray was getting interviewed live on Sky Sports. And they were just talking about stuff. And from nowhere, because someone sent me this clip, um, he's asked a question about how the pro that he's playing with is and as he learns stuff. And he's like, oh, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the brains of this. He's like, my, my caddy Doug is. And he's like, Doug, Doug. And he calls Doug over onto live TV. And you've never seen anybody look more mortified and want to get off the, the screen than Doug who just says a couple of things and just skulks off in the background. And then immediately after that, the NBC Golf Channel went up to him and said, oh, um, we're looking to get an interview done. And he's like, I don't know that Bill's going to want to do too many interviews. And they're like, oh, no, not with Bill, but with you. So he's a celebrity now. And he didn't even plug, <laughs> the, he didn't even plug the East Five podcast. Disappointed. Um, well, it's probably deer in the headlights kind of thing or situation. Yeah. By the sounds it, of it. If all of a sudden you're just like wandering about and you're suddenly on live TV in the UK and in America, it's like, <laughs> it's a weird thing. 
It reminds me of the time I saw Gene Simmons in a 7-Eleven, and I just, I couldn't get, I don't even know if I said words to him. Well, if you ever see him again, and... get him to do a bumper. In fact, if we'll anyone do. listening to this, it was... anyone famous, get him to do a bumper for the show. It's a pre- It was pre-podcast, I saw him. Ah, that's fair then. But yeah, hang, out, hang, hang around airports, meet famous folk, get bumpers done. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. We hope you've enjoyed it. The gang's back together. Can the Whitecaps do it? When we're back next time, are we going to be cock-a-hoop or down in the dumps? Will I be on the show? Yes. Well, if we do it during daylight, you might be. (laughs) Tune in soon and find out. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. Go beat the loons. Get the job done. Or don't come back to Vancouver. Bye, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> talk about crossing talk about crossing the line yeah. <laughs> <laughs>